I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, this is episode 19? I'm going to go with 19, although I actually don't know what it is. Might be 20, it could be 20, couldn't it? But today we've got a jam-packed show for you to talk about. I've got Steve D and Steve W with me. Uh, first off, I think we're going to talk about... We're going to do another game. Let's do another game straight off the bat because we actually enjoy playing these. And I think Steve D has come up with another big one today. What you got? Hmm. So... Um... I, I've invented a, a new game, and uh, basically you're going to give me a number between 1 and 10, and I'm going to give you some choices, and uh, you guys will be playing the game, who's got the biggest <laughs> market cap? Um, there is a wild card in there as well, just okay. to switch it up a little bit. Um, so, Steve, I've got you down on my sheet as um, going first, so give me a number between 1 and 10. Okay, uh, let's go with number one then, uh, please. Okay, you have picked the bank round. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the biggest market cap out of the okay. Royal Bank of Canada, Morgan Stanley, or Wells Fargo? Oh, oh, interesting. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like mm. that you've thrown in Canada. I. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I don't very much like any of these, if I'm honest with you. Uh, but I would probably go for oh. Wells Fargo out of that list. Wow! Because what a point! Yeah, I knew, I knew you throw. You're because really? you're cool. sneaky. You're going to throw in the Canada one to throw us off the scent, and we all know it's going to be Wells Fargo. So ah, I knew that one. Absolutely. It's not that much behind. I'll be honest. It's, I it. it's close. Royal I Bank wouldn't of have Canada, known out of the other two though. Yeah, Royal Bank of Canada, 150 billion. Morgan Stanley, 169 billion, and Wells Fargo, 187 Ooh. billion. Oh, I thought it would be much further than that. Give us a number, I Paul. Have, I would not have known uh, about... Number one. We've already had one. Really? Oh, we had one. Sorry. <laughs> picked one number. I wasn't, picked one. I wasn't listening. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> number two is the farmer round. Oh. Uh, who's the biggest oh, between... Mac, AstraZeneca, and Pfizer. When you said farmer, sorry, can I say when you said exactly. farmer? I, thought, yeah, I was yeah, the same. When you said farmer, I thought it was going to be John Deere again, and I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Archer Daniels Midlands. But... Uh, so uh, sorry, that was Merck, AstraZeneca, and who's the third? Pfizer. Pfizer. Oh, Pfizer. It's got to be Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> It's correct. I thought you'd get these wrong. It's very close again. Merck is 191 billion, AstraZeneca 155 billion, and Pfizer 222 billion. Steve, give me a number. If it's any consolation, Steve, I would have got that wrong. Um, okay. Uh, what, uh, what have we had so far, Steve? One and two. I know what we've had so far. Six. <laughs> six, is, six is BMBM's favourite, the UK. Who's the biggest? Out oh. of, and this is very, very close. Uh, our favourite legal okay. in general, mm-hmm. our favourite of either, mm-hmm. and direct line. Oh, that's hard. I'm that's sure really not. hard. That's really, really hard. I. So Aviva's actually done quite well this mm. year, and if it's close, that means it might have changed hands since the last time I ever <laughs> looked at Aviva. Um, oh dear. Um, uh, let's try legal in general then. That is correct, nah, but it's only correct by about a hundred million. Yeah, we, it's very. very we nice. were looking at legal and general back in the day, weren't we? And we, I think we all totally missed Aviva because it's, I, I think I just didn't do it because it's so hard to do. 
but yeah, Aviva's not hmm. Aviva's not that bad. I tried. I did it for a bit of. Uh, is it shit? But I really just skirted the outs the outskirts of that one uh, hmm. on that day. I basically spent uh, two hours on Amanda Blanc's Twitter feed looking at her feet. That's about what. That's about all I did. <laughs> that's my entire due diligence. That was <laughs> that was your due diligence. <laughs> Hashtag DD. <laughs> Uh, right. Um, <laughs> next one, uh, number four. Did you say four? We're just going to go up four, the line. This right? is <laughs> this is e-commerce giants outside of America. No. So you have oh, Steve no. and I favorite C Limited. You have Steve and I favorite Mercado Libra, and you have my favorite new listing South Korean Amazon Coupang. Oh, that is hard. That that's out of order. Okay. Um, oh, all I've got. Oh, <laughs> I'll have this I'm, one if you don't I'm want. trying to guess the. I'm trying to get. I'm thinking. Oh, I've got to guess the market caps. I've just got to guess the biggest, haven't I? Uh, mm-hmm. Ricardo. Yeah, that's the game. Who's the biggest? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm gonna go Coupang. Coupang is the smallest. Oh, my God. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I already got Mercado Libra. Yeah, yeah. And it's not Mercado Libra mm. either. C Limited is it's not. Twice, of course C Limited. Twice Ooh. the size of Mercado Libra. Of course Libra. it's C Limited. Why not? That's, a, that's annoying me, that is. Uh, is... So, Steve? Of course. Yeah, I think We so. have three, yeah. five, it's all right. seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I've got what numbers we have left, Steve. Don't worry. Three, please. <laughs> three <laughs> is Industrials. So, you oh, have good. to pick between Vestas... The wind turbine company, Ooh. Honeywell, the fan company, mm-hmm. <laughs> who do sure. more than fans, and <laughs> yep. uh, and space tractor company, Deer. Oh, okay, here we go then. So I don't think it's Deer because I think in the S and P five hundred the biggest industrial is Honeywell. So now it comes down to whether I think Honeywell is bigger than Vestas. If I'm right about that, I think it probably is. So I go with Honeywell. Hasn't Honeywell only just been That's added good. to the S and P five hundred though? I thought that was quite a new addition. Uh, it's been recently added to the Dow. Oh, sorry, it was the Dow, yeah. Right. You are yeah. correct. Um, Honeywell is $155 billion, Deer is $105 billion, and Vestas is only $37 billion. I was going to say it can't be Vestas. That was going to be didn't... a big curve if it was Vestas somehow. I did not think Vestas was, it was that big. It was at first, but I was, looking in, uh, I was looking in Danish Krona, and I was thinking, oh yeah, Vestas is massive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'd, that, uh, for the so, record, that I'd have said Honeywell. Just, um, just, just eh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all random. Um, yeah, sorry, numbers. Uh, number five. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally going to that. <laughs> uh, so, number five is semiconductors and semiconductor components. Oh, dear. Oh, here we go. You have to pick between LAM Research. I think it's Kramer's favourite LAM mm-hmm. Research. Yeah. Um, Steve's f- um, favourite Applied Materials. Oof, that's hard. And now. AMD. Oh, you Ooh, I wouldn't like this one. Yeah, that's a nasty one. You, you're giving him Honeywell, Deer Investors. I've, I've, <laughs> I know it's random. I've, I know. I've made it really difficult. Yeah, this is difficult. <laughs> uh, right, lamb. Lambs. No. I like industrials. You like semiconductors. <laughs> yeah. What, yes, you would think that, but these three semiconductors are pretty much the hardest that you can get. He doesn't. I mean, at the moment, he doesn't like points. <laughs> uh, right. So lamb. Applied materials is one I just haven't looked at very much. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lamb just because it's really old. Just because it's really old. Okay, lamb is the smallest no. of the three, so lamb is 93 billion. AMD is 99 billion, but way out in front is applied materials at 127 yeah. billion. Okay, are you gonna go for seven? No, uh, I'll, I'll let Paul have seven. Try and confuse him. Uh, I'll take nine, please. <laughs> nine is is. You're not going to enjoy this one, Steve. Oh. It's China. Okay. Um, so you have to pick between um, social buying app Pindoidoi, I believe it's pronounced. Oh, okay. JD dot com and Neo. Well, that's ha- that, that's hard. Oh, no. That's hard. I'll give you that one. That's really hard. Mm. Okay, um, so for a time there was a, uh, a fact that Steve enjoyed telling me, which was that uh, 
Pindudu or however you pronounce it. Pinduo, was, I think the company with the biggest market cap that had never made a profit or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. However, um, sorry, what was the second one again? JD.com. JD.com. Hmm. Big. Okay. JD.com always see, yeah, it is big, but I think it's probably smaller than I'm thinking. Let's try, let's try JD.com. Okay. Um, Pinduoduo, or Pindoidoi, as I've been told it's pronounced, is the biggest at 152.5 ah. oh, yeah. billion. That would have been my second guess. At 112.5 billion, and Neo is only 76. Yeah, I wasn't going for Neo, but... Neo with, the other two. Neo with hundreds of deliveries of cars has a 76 billion market cap. That's mm. crazy. Absolutely crazy. Let Paul know in the comments what you think of <laughs> Are you going for seven, Paul? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Yeah, it's the wild card I think round. that's the hardest part <laughs> of the... Uh, <laughs> oh, the wild card. So oh, this God, one, this uh, so you... Hard. You have to tell me which one is the highest share price. Now, I'm not interested in the currency. I'm just interested in the number. And (laughs) this one is between (laughs) American house builder NVR and Swiss scent manufacturer Mm -hmm. Givaudan. This is fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, have you heard of either of these companies? (laughs) I know NVR. I know NVR, but... Uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out what Swiss francs is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't matter about francs; it's just the number. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm trying to think if Swiss francs is bigger than, the, like, because if you had said something like they're very similar to pounds. Yeah, I think, I think it is they? similar to pounds. Uh, but I was I was thinking that you were going to come in with some uh, Chinese one or something, and I go, oh, well, it's going to be that one. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, absolutely no idea. This is such a wild guess. MVR is one of the Fair smaller enough. house builders, so I'll go with whatever the Swiss one was because I can't even remember the name of what you said. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible reasoning, but it wrong. might be correct. Oh, no. <laughs> that's wrong. No, MVR is, um, well, at the time of record, at the time of writing, was $4,670. Yeah, it's about that now. Dollars. And Givordan is... Oh, Givordan. Four, oh, two, right. four, two. oh, sorry, I didn't realise. <laughs> just smaller. Oh, Givordan. <laughs> I, toyed I, with, I toyed with putting Lint in there. I was expecting I Lint. Lint might be too uh, easy. Lint would have been Lint. easy. Yeah, Lint would have been too easy. Yeah. Lint's like 95,000, right? yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. That, I think, isn't it? You could have so done Berkshire versus there. Lint. Okay. Berkshire versus Lint would have been a good one. So, Steve, you've technically won, but we've only got two left. So, eight or ten. Ten, please. Ten is disgusting. <laughs> not my game. <laughs> it's it's REITs. Okay. Who's the biggest? Prologis, American Tower, oh, no. or Realty Income? Oh, dear. Um, that's hard. Hmm. That's really hard. It's a disgusting question. So these are all pretty big in the sense of... So Prologis, I think of as the kind of bigger brother to Tereno Realty. is a similar sort of uh, industrial distribution rate. Um, uh, American Tower, pretty big realty income. Let's try American Tower. You'd be right. Oh, is it... That, there's American I think there was some psychology going on there. 93 billion. I think there was some psychology going and on there. realty income... Go on, sorry. Realty income is only twenty six. Yeah, it's small. Is it? I knew realty income wouldn't that be that. Does surprise me. Tiny. Yeah. So that leaves you with <laughs> with this one. <laughs> you have eight. <laughs> yeah, number eight. UK supermarkets. Uh, oh, really? Tesco's, Morrison's, or Okada? Oh. Oh, that's that's a spanner in the work, especially with the way you yeah, said it. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Like <laughs> you're going to go okay on the first two, right? Yeah, I know, uh, but... Uh, I thought he was going to say Sainsbury's, and I thought it would be easy. Ocado's going to be very popular at the minute, right? Because of online. I might have picked it, because it's very, very close yeah. between them. Yeah, it is. Ocado's extremely popular now, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to say... Leftfield Tesco. That's what I'm going to say. You got yourself a point. Yeah. 
But there is only about two and a bit billion difference between the yeah, two. Yeah, it's very close. Very, very close. So well done, Steve. Four <laughs> two. You. I will give you a ta-da oh. if I can find my mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my really edge. Good. I'm losing my edge here. Yeah, you've lost two edge. in a row now. If you lose any more, we're going to yeah. have to change your name to Steve. <laughs> We All don't right. many either. So let's, get, <laughs> let's get on with the actual podcast. How have you guys been uh, this week? Uh, what what day are we recording on? What day is it? It is Wednesday. So um, we haven't done much on the Federal Reserve uh, releasing its new numbers. Uh, it has literally just come out like five minutes ago. Uh, Federal Reserve basically said nothing, uh, except it acknowledged that there was possibly a little bit of inflation coming. Um, but it's still stuck with the interest rates heading to um, heading upwards in 2023. Uh, your quick insights on it. Your very, very quick insights on it. It's just much of a muchness to me. This is the same story. Uh, inflation is transitory. Inflation is not here. Inflation is here. It's only a little bit. Um, at the moment, I'm not a doom and gloom merchant, and I think that there is plenty of people out there who predicted the last 20 inflation-related um, issues, of which they've probably been right none of the times. So, um, not worried, not interested, and it's probably not going to make great podcasting. <laughs> no, that's it. That's good. Uh, that's it. Uh, Steve, W, anything? Nothing much. I was having a little look at the kind of impact on my portfolio directly that came out. So a few things went in straight lines, either upwards or downwards, basically, depending on whether they were a US bank or not, largely, as far as I can tell. Uh, I was looking for opportunities to buy things, but things seem to have roughly put them back again in line with Steve's idea that there's not much going on here. Yeah, that's it. Basically, if you wanted to know anything what, about what we thought about inflation, nothing. Just buy good businesses, guys. Just try to forget about inflation. Don't try and Don't try and time the market. However, what's been happening with my portfolio is I've crossed 30,000 this week. And uh, that's mainly due to just ridiculously hard saving and uh, ridiculously hard investing. Also had a little bit of help because I managed to fill my portfolio. Uh, my, I filled my ISA early last year, probably about two months. So I've managed to bring over some of that. And uh, I've also got a lot less expenses now because I've paid off a car. So uh, that's helped me. Uh, I think Steve D's got some good news as well with his uh, ISA this week. Yeah, I finished my ISA today. That is full for the year. Jesus. Um, yeah. That is. I, 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 as I said before, I got lucky with this. Really, it's basically because of last year, I had to shuffle some money around from a non-ISA account to an ISA. So that took away seven and a half k's worth of my ISA allowance. So. I ended up filling it uh, sort of mid three, maybe three quarters of the way through the uh, the ISA season, and then I put the rest of my money that I had hanging on to uh, to one side into CCIV at about fourteen dollars and sold it at seventy five. So that's where the rest of it came from. I also sold a car um, somewhere in there as well. So it's not something I'll be able to do every year. I mean, I'll be able to get close, yeah. but it's uh, it's a circumstance rather than an act of... I, I haven't gone through the hard saving that you've gone through. Yeah, that's it. that is incredible to say that, like, in the... I mean, what we are now, June. So you've saved so much money so early in the uh, tax year, which is absolutely incredible. Obviously, yeah, you've done a few things. You haven't sold a kidney or anything yet, which is which is on my list. Is uh, I'm trying to trim down as much as I can to try and sell... As, as much as I can to fill my ISA. Um, what about you, Steve? Do you, do you think you're going to fill your ISA this year? I rather doubt that I'm going to. I think I do something that you two don't, which is as a priority pay into a lifetime ISA um, and do things there. Okay. I'm not aware that either of you two do that. So one reason I'm unlikely to fill my ISA completely is partly because most of it's going to, or I'm going to start off by filling that as a, a first thing to do, yeah. um, which takes my maximum yeah. ISA remaining contribution down to 212 to uh, 16,000. But I probably won't quite reach that this year, I wouldn't think. But priority one for me is yeah, it's yeah, grabbing a government bonus. Yeah, it's worth saying for me as well is that I don't actually pay into a pension either. So that frees up about three, 400 quid for me a month anyways. And that uh, is, that, is that little bit extra that goes in. But... Um, are you all yeah. try I've left my workplace pension as well. Have you? So, 
I've, I've, yeah, I'm just in a sip now, so I pay. Yeah. I am considering get, uh, jumping into a sip. If if I shuffle around my jobs a little bit in the coming future, um, I could see myself getting into a sip. But I'd like it to be set up maybe with someone like, I mean, maybe Trading 212 could do one one day or something like that. I haven't really considered uh, where I'd go with that just yet. Uh, but um, how important do you think savings rate is because i put it as very high importance on uh, investment returns uh, and that's why i try and save so aggressively my minimum is a thousand pound a month i try and save uh, and that is half of my wages uh, that definitely is and on a good month i can get that get it up to 1600 which is probably the goal to sort of do the ISA. i had a very lucky year last year and I'm trying to do it again this year, but I, 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 I'm scared. I won't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I might just be a little bit short this year. But how, how important do you think saving is to investing? I think it's important. And I think um, I take a slightly different approach to you. I think one of the most important things for me is trying to keep things um, sustainable. So in the last year when I kind of discovered stocks, discovered the kind of joys of getting paid dividends and all those kind of things. It became very tempting to just try and scrape together every bit of coin I could find and bang it into something like realty income. I don't know realty income, but that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an interesting feature of my work that my pay is not evenly distributed across the year. So it kind of comes in lumpy in a few bits. I've got a kind of base salary that comes in reasonably right, okay. evenly. But then, um, so I'm a teacher at a university and basically anything I teach over my contract will get paid at the end of the uh, academic year. So that's coming up soon. Uh, and I'll occasionally take on bits of marking and stuff like that, which will result in kind of further payment that won't show up again in the next month or something along those lines. So uh, when that kind of stuff comes in, I try and be fairly aggressive with that. But apart from that, I'm a bit more... Uh, a bit more gentle in terms of trying to salt money away in that way, in that uh, on a kind of day to day basis. So day to day, you're sort of philosophy and politics, and then uh, in the night you just do a bit of geography, and then you get paid a little bit more. Is that what? Yeah, that's roughly how it works. No, mainly what happens is exam season comes around, oh, right. so uh, exams need marking, and that's fairly seasonal <laughs> stuff. And I do that, and that gets paid separately. Uh, uh, fair enough, yeah. In the night, fair I make enough. podcasts about finance and so stuff. So I... My... <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't get paid for that. Paid None for of that. us are. <laughs> um, so my, my salary is equally as lumpy. So I have a I have a flat salary, um, but then I get a bonus at Christmas, depending on what I sell, what I engineer. <clears throat> and I also... We get a share of the company profits as well. Jesus! It's really funny. We get it in... We get it in um, uh, like late November, and then we get another. The second bonus usually comes in January's pay packet, so you end up having quite a few fush months. But I'm a serial planner, so all of that is already allocated somewhere, and very little of it usually ends up coming to me. I normally put away about three or four hundred quid for Christmas out of that payment, and I just leave that until next Christmas because then you know then you're sorted for the year, aren't you? Um, but yeah, that, that's it really. I mean, I have a private investment as well, which pays a dividend every year um, as well. And that pays me um, about sort of 40% of my salary uh, in one go, sometimes more. Um, and they only pays that little because I had to give half of it to my wife <laughs> for tax purposes. <laughs> she, she earns she earns that money. Yeah, and get yourself um, into so private yeah, so investments. That, that's basically where... That's where our that's where our money essentially comes from. We 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 earn a very basic salary, but it just gets topped up at three points of the year. Really. Wow, you've been a lot more open than I thought you guys would. There, that's uh, pretty good of you. Um, I feel like uh, well, I'm editing it, so it won't make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I feel uh, I, I, that makes me feel like my pay is just so far behind. I work for the NHS and. Pretty much just get about two grand a month, and I've got nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. Well, that, that, your basic is the same as mine. Yeah. I, I, I get paid about, yeah, same well, as about that two grand a month. In fact, because I've opted out with the pension. Your basic is slightly higher than mine. It's the same. Yeah, I know, but like it is. It's the basic. You've got so, you've got so much like 
little add-ons that you can just you can just tweak and that's that's fair enough that's i mean that's why i do uh, that's why i'm doing the other things i'm trying to you know build up my wedding photography business again and and that sort of thing so that's why i'm trying to do that to get that sort of i hate using the term side hustle i really don't like the term <laughs> side hustle i bet you guys hate that as well don't you you you're not into that term uh not into it no, no it's uh it sounds i get it though i get the idea yeah i get, I, idea. I get the principle of it I, I think i just don't like the name of it i just don't like mm-hmm. the, the fact that we're we're glor- glorifying having to work extra hours just to make uh ends meet really um but uh yeah with savings like it's very important that we build the base of our investments because I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I see it on Reddit and stuff like that. People posting their uh, images of how much they've gained on this stock, X stock. And uh, it's usually like they've got up 300% and it's been amazing, but they've got about £3 in it. And now they're selling it and they're trying to compound it that way. Mm. And there was that famous, there's been a famous uh, video or a famous image that came up on the Discord. Someone posted on Discord and said, all you have to do is every month just double your money and you'll have a million by the end of the year do we think that people are out there thinking that they can do this and can we do this i i want to know uh i can't do it but i think people who are out there (laughs) thinking maybe they can do it um i'd be surprised if this is kind of their financial plan in the way that the three of us are talking about things like pensions um like job income like those sorts of things that probably we can't really afford to fail very easily. Uh, we can't afford for these mm. things to just kind of dry up or go away or something along those lines. I don't mind someone who thinks, look, I'm going to punt with three quid and see if I can turn it into a million for a year or so. That would be a very small amount, presumably, of your kind of net worth or something like that. I'd be amazed if anyone is throwing all their money onto something with a view to compounding it uh, however many times it is over a year. Uh, and that being their kind of grand financial plan for their life, put it that way. How much time do you spend on Reddit? How much time do you None. spend on Reddit? Because I know Steve D- Steve D's on there a lot, and he'll know people are I taking Reddit, yeah. people are taking yeah. people are taking serious risk on there. Real, well, one reason real I'm not risk. on Reddit much exactly. is that I don't necessarily think everyone's telling the truth on it. Uh, I wonder mm. whether people yeah, are. Either posting pretend portfolios if they're posting those kind of things. This sounds very cynical, I mean, yeah. right? I mean, I kind of hope that's yeah. true. Uh, I kind of hope they're not yeah. uh, just yoloing all their money onto stuff. But I worry that uh, someone might get the wrong end of that stick and think, "Oh, cool, I'll do that," but for real. And then uh, something might go wrong. And if that's your kind of entirety of your financial plan, your pension, your income, your everything for life, I, I don't like the sound of that personally yeah that's it, it, it we, we've, we've spoke about this before steve i think there's two phrases that mean you really hear is that we're young enough we're young enough to recover <laughs> that one really i hate that really phrase so much <laughs> yeah, the, the west the west phrase out the well well i'm also going to say i'm only playing where the house is money because i know that one triggers steve more than anything if anybody ever types on the discord he's always in your dms like it's not the house's money it's your money you made that money um but no the one the the, the one that i I dislike the most is don't put money in the stock market that you're not, you know, that you're you're not prepared to lose. Mm. Like I have no intention of losing the money I have in the stock market at all. I know that that it will go down and it will go up, but I have no intention of losing it all. Mm. And you shouldn't either. If you're going in and you're and you're investing into stocks and there's a chance of you going to zero, they're not the right stocks. Yeah. They're just not the right stocks. Yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, I totally agree with you because I've I've probably said that before myself. And I think when I would have said something like that, I don't, I mean that don't risk money that is your rent money, if you understand. Like when you're investing something, you aren't investing the money that you've just it's going to pay your rent this month or buy you some food. You're not investing more than is necessary. When I invest 50%, and it is sometimes 50% of my entire wages in a month, I have been with Mama Furfa and she's been through my budget and she helps me get it to the penny, really to the penny. So we are now pretty shit hot at uh, budgeting and we know that we don't spend that money that we were investing. But like you say, be devastated if i lost it it's uh, 
but it's it's not the money that I'm using to survive. So I think that's where my distinction on saying something like that would be. And yeah, maybe should be clearer on that. I, I can totally agree with you. But yeah, other people. So I guess there's a principle here that I do agree with uh, that Paul's kind of getting at in a certain way. Steve's been pointing out things that would trigger me in a number of ways. But I do think it's true <laughs> that you shouldn't put money into investments and genuine investments now that you think you might need in the kind of near-term future. That's the kind of thing we talk about having an emergency fund for. That, I think, is what Paul's kind of getting at. Okay, you don't want to lose the money you put into your investments, but also you need to give yourself a chance if something weird happens in the market. You don't want to be in a position where you're forced to sell uh, because something has happened and you need the money in the next uh, for your rent or whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Def definitely... Um you've got to have your emergency fund you've got to have your uh and also for me it's the sinking funds as well so anything like you know anything that you're saving up for holidays and uh different cars that sort of thing uh, you you need to think about all of that stuff first so yeah like you say i'm only playing with uh, um don't invest money that you're willing to lose i think that does get lost somewhere and like you say, what were the other phrases that you, you were coming out with that we hear a lot? Uh, I dislike yeah. talk of playing with house money or you can afford to lose it while you're young because you can make it back again. Yeah, just explain that one to me because even some of the top investors say that as well. So what, what do you hate so much about that? Well, gamblers say that and betting addicts say that. That's the issue with it. Yeah, that's one issue with it. The other issue with it, I think, is that it's not quite the same if you lose it. So when I think about losing, say, £2,000 at the start of a 30-year investing career or something like that, and I think about what I could have done with that, and the obvious could have done is bang it into an index like the S&P or something, and suppose that I get the usual 8% on that. Well, what I've lost there is either £2,000 today or £21,000 in year 30. So if I'm going to try and lose two grand, I'd rather do it once I've turned it into 21 than when I've turned it into started off with two in this situation. Yeah, fair enough. But um, I it thought it's basically uh, it buggers up compounding. Yeah, surely though, when you're younger, you can take more risk because, uh, well, I suppose the idea is, and and I've even seen someone like Brian Feroldi say say this. I've read it on. I'm sure I've read it on his Twitter, and you know he's he's very. I'd say he's a bit more risky, or at least he, he invests in companies with no cash flow, so therefore I do see it as risky. Uh, if some of these companies go bust, then obviously that money is gone, and the idea is that the same person just starts again. So surely there shouldn't be too much of a problem with that. Yeah, but the issue is it's normally attached with somebody YOLOing their whole account into three stocks, which are... Yeah have no cash flow whereas picking a little bit of Feroldi saying you know you can afford to lose a little bit of money while you're young is yeah it's a little bit of money but it's not your whole portfolio don't don't allocate your whole whole portfolio into just meme stocks or yolo stocks or super risky stocks or binary mm. event stocks that's that's the idea so for me it always falls into investing is, is three things and it starts outside of investing and it's having a budget is the best thing two is paying yourself first because you have a budget you know what all your outgoings are pay yourself first into your investing account and three is be tight on your allocations yeah that's fair enough yeah that's fair enough because i the message is being skewed at the moment right the you know you look on reddit the message is being skewed you got your apes together and uh, some people getting it and some people not because i I've been around Wall Street bets for quite a while. I've, it was one of the first things I went on to when I started investing. And at that point, I'm pretty sure it was a joke. I'm pretty sure at that point. Yeah, I think so too. It was, it was designed with some irony that we were idiots and we were just loving it into stuff. And there was loads of lost porn. But now there's millions of people in there. And... Some people are taking this serious now. A lot of people are taking this serious now. And uh, as far as I, uh, as far as I can see, some of the uh, the veterans of the Wall Street bets crowd just know they're running a pump and dump here. They know it. Hmm. Is that? Uh, it's, it's just. Yeah, it is scary. It's frightening, isn't it? I think um, this is one of those things that in 
uh, a couple of years time we'll look back and go that was obvious but I also think it's one of those things that could still go either way at the moment yeah it could go it a really long time is so, it? so nuts there is an element of like um, uh, what's the sort of like it's almost like a so it's cultish behaviour as, as I would say there is a cult yeah. there is a definite leader um, but you know the, there's some people who are so convinced by this due diligence that that AMC and GameStop is still being squeezed and that, that 20% value that we keep seeing on short squeezes it's far more than that because there's the naked short and they don't have to report in and I just can't see evidence against it and there is now a uh, I can't remember what the um what the uh, subreddit's called, but it's basically people who have looked through all of the DD and picked it to part, pick, picked it to bits, and said, "You know, this is where they're wrong. This is where they're wrong. This is where they're wrong." And you read that, and you think, "My God, if all of these people are wrong, this is going to be one of the great wealth takes yeah. uh, that we're that we're ever going to see as retail yeah. investors." And that's this just is, sad. this could be this could seriously backfire, couldn't it? It could be starting the nar- with the narrative of okay we're going to crush the hedge funds but in reality if this does go wrong if the story hasn't gone the way everyone's saying it is and and there are the hedge funds in there are just playing this right now remember they could they could the hedge funds could just hold on if they've got enough money they could just hold on until everyone starts to get bored and then at that point like you say this could be one of the biggest transfers of wealth from retail into hedge funds it could just completely uh destroy everything and that's uh, and admittedly that's that's kind of kind of scary to me uh and of course um if i don't know if either of you have noticed but michael borry's back on twitter he's uh and he came back with force yeah he came back with force i don't have the direct quote in front of me because it's just gone to my head but basically it says the world is in a massive speculation it's in a bubble which is bigger than we've ever seen before times two that's yeah. <laughs> that, that's what he said and uh when Burry's saying something as big as that uh, you know because uh, in the past he has been kind of conservative or even just kept it quiet uh he says he warned everyone before but i've seen no evidence of that but then again twitter and things weren't as prevalent back then uh it's scary i mean we'll end that one we'll end that one there because that one uh, i think we could go on all <laughs> but but speaking but speaking of really volatile investments which uh, are likely to go bust lordstown motors uh, has been pumped and dumped numerous times by various youtubers and obviously now the truth is coming out out What's happened to Lordstown? Because I don't actually know a lot of it. I just know, I just knew from the start it was a useless investment, and um, that's all I've got, really. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I didn't hate this as a company. I kind of liked the idea and the way they were taking it. But it's, it's a, it's that old thing that people used to say about Tesla, but for some reason don't say about any of the other new EV startups. Is that it takes a hell of a lot of capital to compete with your Volkswagens and your Hondas and, and probably now you're going to have to see your Teslas as well. And these companies, these Lordstown Motors, they don't have anything to sell. They don't have anything to go back to the capital markets and say, oh, look, we're so close. We've got this, you know, Tesla that does two second not to 60. I mean, the sort of things that, uh, you know, VC fund or a capital fund or markets would be like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, we'll have some more. Have a bit more money, go, go and build 10 more factories. Lordstown don't have that. And recently their cash burn has been horrendous. And it got to the point where they had to release a statement and they said, um, we're, we're now a going concern. Um, we do not think we'll be able to raise any more money. Um, okay, which is fair enough, I suppose. Um, that happens to a lot of companies and you know when the capital markets dry up that's that's going to happen to a lot more companies uh hindenberg our favorite short seller uh, they came out mm. with a report that basically said that um the cfo and the ceo have been making misleading statements they've been saying things are pre-orders when they're nothing other than sort of like is it called a letter of mm-hmm. intent where you intend yeah. to place a pre-order on, on type C? but they were counting that as actual pre-orders and putting it in their presentations as pre-orders and, and that's that's um, dragon's um, den shit right yeah we, we used to see that, that on dragon's den, den. 
It's Dragon's Den shit. That was one of the main things that came out on simple Dragon's Den stuff was they'd always say, oh, we've got this amount of sales, and uh, no. And they'll always go, no, this is a letter of intent. You don't know the difference. And that was something I did hear about the uh, Lost Town Murders yeah. thing. And, and they, they, he, um, Steve Burns, went on to, uh, went on to uh, I think it was Kramer, I think it was Mad Money, and said, oh, surely yeah. nobody thought they were actually pre-orders. Like, mm. you committed it to paper, man. I mean, of course they did. Um, so anyway, the, the long shot of it is that the CEO and the CFO have now been kicked. They are removed from the board with immediate effect. And they released this statement, which I want to read because <laughs> it's very telling, I think. And they said that the board has found consistency between Hindenburg's reports and misleading, misleading statements made by the leadership team specifically regarding pre-orders. I mean, that is damning. Hmm. Yeah, that that's that's really really bad. I mean, this is this is Nicola esque shit, isn't it? It's uh, it's just <sighs> and and we're two for two on EVs, mm. aren't we? Two for two on EVs. We've got Nicola it, through first scam, yeah. Lordstown through, and well, Lordstown CEO has got a bit of a checkered past from his from his workhorse days. Uh, I think he's a bit of a pay to play kind of guy with uh, with marketing and affiliate marketing. So um, and this is this is the same, right? Because Workhorse, again, as well, very poor uh, cash room way. I think at one point it was about, I think they had half a year left and then got that 200 mil funding. And then, like, nothing after that. And it, and then it lost its, we, we like the term binary event at the moment. Uh, it lost mm -hmm. that. And now uh, the latest one was ARC have come out of it because now they've all of a sudden realized that it was a dog shit company. Um and they're run by the same management. They, you know, it's owned by Lordstown, or it, it's got a deal with Lordstown, or something like that. Anyway, and um, I just, oh, just, I, we we all saw it coming. I had a whole video on Workhorse before it, it did all this, and I thought there was a safe way to play Workhorse, and that was just wait for the whole thing and see if it see if it happened. But now you had half of YouTube, half of YouTube was just pumping this bloody stuck and and lost town as well and uh yeah I, it's just a shame maybe it'll come back maybe there's enough belief in there maybe there's going to be a short squeeze in there that will give them enough money that seems to be a, a reasonable way of uh making maybe this is it maybe this is the reasonable way of making money now you get a hype stock and then you get everyone to short it and then there's your capital there you go. All the all the meme investors come on. And I was with you until you said reasonable. I mean, I was going to say we have seen stuff like this happen with <laughs> uh, Hertz post declaring bankruptcy, Wirecard post being discovered for fraud. Those stocks spiked. I mean, they gave the people that were holding them a chance to get out. I mean, it depends on what level they bought them at in the first place, right? But they gave them a chance to get out at somewhere better than what they were going to get if the the stock carried on its kind of natural progression towards bankruptcy. So. I do sort of wonder if I was a Lordstown holder, I'm obviously not, um, whether I would just think about sitting around waiting for a spike because, you know, maybe weirder things have happened and they've happened yeah. in the last year. Yeah, yeah. Wait for the spike. Wait for them to start selling shares because AMC have started selling shares. Have GME actually started selling shares as well now? Yeah, they I sold, they sold them, didn't they, earlier on? Did they? And they cleared the debt with it, so... Yeah, yeah. they gave themselves... I think they did... They Both of them are acting like... Um, I don't want to say well-run companies because they, neither of them are, but they are doing the right sort of things when the share price is this high. Yeah. You want to be issuing shares, and you, yeah. you, you'd be yeah. absolutely ludicrous if you didn't. You would at this price. You want to be issuing every single share you have the the um, the ability to do so, and you want to get it paying off things like your debt, anything high ticket, high coupon, anything you possibly can get that paid off because it just gives you that little mm. bit of runway. Um, they're doing the right sort of things in a way it's weird because i mean we think these companies are dead companies um there's a guy who keeps going on cnbc whose name escapes me who says that amc will never generate cash again but they have a chance of generating cash now which yeah. is weird because they can pay off the debt there's there's a chance that this is a functional company so it's weird in a way because AMC and GME, you could have looked at them this time last year and gone, these these companies are just yeah. Before that, they're going to make it. And now, it's I mean, before that, GME different. tried to pivot right away from kind of selling physical copies of games that you can download. They were trying to get into merchandising. They were trying to do the right thing. They feel like a company that's just kind of been left behind a little bit. And there's a world of difference between that 
and a company that was never a business but was just lying about being a business um, in, in a certain way. I mean, you know, you'd 100% rather yeah. be on GME and hope for a turnaround than, than Lordstown and hope, that, uh, hope for a spike, basically. The GME and Ryan Cohen have some really interesting ideas yeah. using NFTs yeah. in a way that, in a way that we would we would really benefit from as as consumers. If you can package a digital game inside of an NFT, you can then sell that NFT when you've finished playing with the game, and it's a way to get what you get with a physical game, which has always been the biggest problem. Is that with a physical game, when you finish with it, you can sell it. With a digital game and an NFT, when you're finished with the game, you can sell it. And if GameStop takes a fee every time somebody, yeah. You know, uses that marketplace to trade the NFT. That's a brilliant feature, and that that you know, that's a that's a decent business. I'd be interested in that. But whether GameStop can fully pivot from brick and mortar, you know, hundreds of employees in a store to a business model that revolves around that, that's a different story. But it's an interesting story. Yeah, I would say personally, AMC. I don't see it. I see the cinema business being vastly disrupted and changed over the next couple of years. Uh, but GME, I, I like that, you know, being able to go back to the core of what GME is, what GameStop is, is the buy and sell business, put, an NF, put it in an NFT, use it as your own, and then get a 10% kickback every time it's sold. That's crazy. You put, you put, it, like put it in the smart contract to, to put 10% on every time it's sold. It, great money, easy money. And that mm-hmm. probably keeps it as the... GameStop's sort of recurring revenue. It does create a good story and like you say, that I can see why some people are in it, but Jesus is paying for the valuation, right? It's, it's, again, it comes down to value and this thing is just yeah. absolutely mental. And it's making some people money and I hope it I hope it does and I hope a lot of people do miss out if it does ever drop down. And I will say if it does ever drop down because I honestly do not know and I don't think anybody else does. And today, I believe we've got a question. Steve D, do you have the question? I do remember the question. I don't have it up, but it was from Mr. P in the comment section. He asked us if we would go through our top five or top ten holdings and uh, why we hold them, essentially, why they're, why they're our biggest holdings. So, I mean, we've narrowed it down to five because we're a little bit short on time. We've got about 10 or 15 minutes left, so... Um, do you want to kick us off, Paul, with your top five? I mean, everyone knows your top five, but it might surprise uh, well, some people. Not everyone, not everyone knows my top five, but uh, actually I think it will surprise people, uh, my top five, because I suppose you can look at it on the, the link in the description below my videos and get through to Trading 212 there. But uh, yeah, at the top, I've got uh, Vanguard FTSE Emerging Markets ETF, uh, VFEM, which is kind of my... It's my China and India play at the moment. They're, they're the two places that I, I wanted to look at, but I haven't got a clue. I can't read their statements, so I do VFEM for that. Uh, and the second is Vanguard S&P 500 ETF, which is VUSA. Uh, I actually only have that in my portfolio to make, to make myself fully aware of if I'm, if I'm beating or losing against the market. Uh, so I pretty much put 5% of all of my deposits into VUSA and that's just my way of doing it because I think I should be investing in ETFs. I, I do believe that because I do believe it's the easiest way to make money in the stock market. But um, I also uh, get to see if I'm beating the market, which uh, just just to point out, I am by about 2 or 3%. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, the next up on that, let's look up the allocation. Third is Bristol Myers Squibb. Fourth is Tritex Big Box. And fifth is probably one of my favorites, KLA. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I've got in my portfolio. Uh, what's your, your guys' top five? Uh, so in my case, my largest holding is Amazon. It's about 18% of my portfolio at the moment, which is quite heavily sort of overweight there. But I, it's the big tech that I feel best about. We can say a little bit more about that further down the line. Second is, uh, is actually Lockheed Martin. Um, we're at sort of about 8% or so. Ah. Third is Berkshire Hathaway at about 7.5%. Fourth, Bristol Myers, um, playing FTSE podcast favourite. And uh, number fifth is Kellogg's. Uh, very valuey. Mm. Very valuey. So actually, very <laughs> similar, um, in, at least in two places. Um, so my largest holding is 
Amazon, which is uh, 9.08% of my portfolio. Whoa. My second largest is, Briscoe, have you seen the share price at ASML Holding? <laughs> um, they're a Dutch um, UAV lithography company. Um, it's basically a, a machine that's used in the semiconductor industry, or is probably the main component in the semiconductor industry. Yeah. Um, my third biggest holding is Adobe Systems, uh, 7.21%. Um, I think we've all come across Adobe, uh, even if you've only ever used Acrobat. Um, fourth is Bristol Myers Squibb, uh, friend of the podcast. And fifth is another Dutch company. Um, uh, they're a payment provider, uh, amongst uh, other things. Uh, it's Adyen at 5.29%. Yeah like this i like this this is this is uh, very interesting I'm, I'm surprised you've got amazon you've got so much of amazon uh, in your portfolio at nine percent that's quite interesting but yeah a- asml fuck you <laughs> <laughs> asml is one of the stocks we we were talking about when we were looking through the semiconductors and i thought i had found quite a good one in kla as well and i did mm. like let's face it i did um, but also ASML was one I was going, oh, I should do that, but I'm going to have to buy too many semiconductor stocks here. And, uh, I just, uh, I, I should have bought that in April. I really should have bought that in April. That is a stock I think I could have held for a very, very long time and just been perfectly happy. Um, it's, I do like yeah. your semiconductor then, play though, Paul. Adgen as well. I didn't realize Adgen would be so high in your I, I like I like uh, KLA that you've got there. KLA. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, shout, especially where I think you bought it at, which was quite a while ago now, right? Yeah, it's, it was one. It was the first proper one where I thought, I've got a stock here that is of real value with a reasonable moat. And, I've, and it, it was the first kind of stock. It's probably why I like it, and I'm a bit too biased on it now. Is It was one of the first stocks where I went, I think this is undervalued and... People are people in the market are missing this. That's one of the ones which I first saw, and and I was right, which which is crazy. And again, I, I wish I'd wish I'd put in more. But now we're getting to the point where things are getting overvalued, and maybe you know, if you talk to different people, particularly people like you know Sven Carlin and even Brian Feroldi and stuff like that, they are very, you know, they're very pro selling stocks. I mean, even Chuck Carnival, who is a you know, Mr. Valuation, <laughs> he uh, would, uh, he's, he's really it's into selling the line, I've got well. to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, this is the line, it. it has to go. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, they're really into selling and I- I'm scared. I'm really scared of selling actually. Um, the thing is, is if you, if, if KLA tomorrow went down a hundred dollars on its share price, are you selling it or are you buying it? No, I'm buying it. Absolutely. Well, same. If ASML goes yeah. down 100 euros tomorrow, I'm buying, well, maybe a bit more yeah. than 100 euros. But um, yeah. ASML's got a long way for, to fall for me to go under my price. But any great dip in ASML, any great dip in any of my stocks, really, I'm I'm a buyer, I'm not a seller. So yeah. I'm not frightened of anything at the moment. So Yeah, I'm not quite I'm not quite there with you right now. I must admit there were some stocks in mine where I go, oh, that was stupid. And um, I'm not quite there. And I'm, I'm just being honest there because I do think that, you know, not every single one is quite conviction. And I'm trying to work through that process. And I think this is a long process and it's me probably trying to correct mistakes. or I don't call them mistakes, but more like just create, correct different decisions that I've made in the past. And uh, maybe I'll start shuffling about. Maybe I'll concentrate my portfolio a little bit more as well. Um, but yeah, I'm not quite there where i can go i can look down 27 on my list and go nope never gonna sell any of those yet now uh, i'm being honest there but uh, yeah there's it's it's coming but bmi bmi is one of our three uh, bmi bmy is uh, one of our uh, we we all have in our top five which is crazy i didn't think that would happen but we haven't just pushed each other to buy that have we That's no I, who did you no. think wouldn't have it paul uh i actually i no i knew i knew that you both had it but i didn't realize that you all had it in your top five 
you know, that's that's a big. Yeah, it's big uh, it's actually just edged its way into my top five. To be honest, it had a little run lately, and Kellogg's yeah. is still, still so it's made its way past that into number four on my list. But BMY is one that I like a lot on Fastgraphs. If anyone gets a chance to look at it, yeah. because it's a stock that you could quite legitimately look on its share price chart and point out. I could have got this at about this price five years ago. I think I did. Uh, very roughly. I wasn't going to mention it, but I think you did as well. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that Fastgraphs does really nicely here is point out that, yeah, that's because it's EPS and uh, was about half what it is now. So the PE multiple it's trading on now is a much more attractive one to where it was five years ago. Yeah. So I'm reluctant to think in this situation, this is just a kind of dead stock that's going to sit here forever. Its earnings are catching and it might have been a little bit ahead of its time five years ago. But I think there's reason to think that's coming up underneath it on the earnings for that. And this is a better time to be buying it than it was then. Yeah, it's definitely one of those ones which looks like earnings are going up at the same time as share price came down. And I guess, Steve, Dean, you've, you've been pretty flat on this for about five years. Is it, you've been held, hold, holding yeah, well, I have, for five years. I, I was forced to sell it when I left free trade. So um, oh, I, course, I had yeah. a small period without it. But I did I have rebought in and... Uh, I bought in again in April as well when it was about 58-ish or something like that yeah. as well. So I did get some nice, um, some well, nice bit of averaging down. I think I was 64, 58. I think I'm now sort of like early 60s as well, which is, a, I think it's a cracking price for BMY. I actually think yeah. of my top five, I've got probably the two most underrated CEOs in, in, in well, in the S&P, in, in America, I would say. Mm. Um and that is, and I'm going to butcher his name, but I think it's Shantanu Narayan from um, Adobe. I think he's one of the best CEOs around, converted Adobe from a high-ticket uh, one-off purchaser that everybody used to just borrow from uh, BitTorrent and converted them into a recurring revenue business that is affordable. And, I mean, there's no better software out there for creatives. Um, and the other is obviously Coforio from Bristol Myers Squibb, who has turned it around from a dog with a dead pipeline that was going to get sold to Pfizer, into probably the most exciting uh, of of the of the pharma companies um, by far. And and you look at everything about Bristol Myers Squibb, and if things happen how they should happen, the growth should be explosive. Yeah, and Adobe as well. I love that you've got Adobe because I remember you talking about it and asking me probably a year ago because I, I i don't know why i didn't go in with you i should have just gone in because uh, <laughs> everything made sense even at that time and right now though i i'm, I'm still scared to get in uh, at this point. it's run up a have lot been buying it's, it yeah it's way above my my price now where i bought it my yeah. my mm. buy price on that is about 450 something i think yeah and it's now 550 something so it's it's run up very quickly from that period so yeah, yeah it's a great stock i think it's a it's a the, the, the great thing about recurring revenue is it's very easy to plot so so yeah. long as they're still retaining customers and, and acquiring new customers then that revenue is is going to grow there's really no alternative and i think they've yeah. got a really good history uh, especially under and under narayan of of being able to grow and being able to innovate and and i don't really see any any way that's going to stop yeah uh as far as like the their products go there's nothing that compares to photoshop or lightroom i can i can confirm even in design in design yeah um, yeah Premiere Pro is brilliant as well. It's especially you, you could tell it was good because Final Cut stopped trying to be professional. Um, when Apple are backing mm. out of a market, they're trying to be more mm. sort of consumer friendly, and Adobe still takes the mantle as the professional editor. I mean, this I suppose is Vegas as well as and it's only Vegas, but Adobe yeah. seems to be the best. And After Effects as well is a cracking piece of software. Mm. Yeah, yeah, with those with those software, I didn't think that uh, Premiere Pro was as strong. Uh, in, in the market as as we thought because a lot of people i used to know uh used final cut pro quite a lot but mm. uh yeah i think everything has shifted back to uh premiere pro and and all that lineup is just it seems just so moti absolutely yeah, moti it's blockbuster after blockbuster just, isn't it yeah it's just incredible absolutely incredible what else do we have in there kellogg's do we really want mm -hmm. to talk about kellogg's <laughs> Go well, on. I'll Why give Kellogg's you the thesis on defense. Kellogg's. You can take it or leave it. 
Um, I think people are thinking completely the wrong thing about Kellogg's, and I think they're thinking too fast. So my general strategy for looking for stocks is to look for easy things where people are making mistakes. And here's what a lot of people think about Kellogg's. Uh, old brands um, and brands that people don't really care about. So no one really cares what cereal you're buying, whether you buy Kellogg's Cocoa Pops or supermarket Cocoa Pops. Um, and if you think Kellogg's, you think you're buying the brand, uh, you should think that um, this is bad, basically. I think all that's true. I don't think any of those are reasons to buy Kellogg's, but I do think there are reasons that are not those. So here is the way I think about Kellogg's. I think of cereals as basically commoditized. So no one cares about branding anymore. Um, in which case, how do we treat them like a commodity? Well, we work out how cheaply they can produce them. Uh, Kellogg's produces them cheaper than other people do. Um, it gets them into retailers better than other people do. It takes up space on retailer shelves in ways that are difficult for retailers to kick them out again. Uh, so I think there's things going on there and their returns on invested capital are actually pretty good. So what I'm looking for here is a low cost producer and I find Kellogg's to be a lower cost producer than most of the other things around. And that's the reason for having a go at it. Plus it's P is reasonably low, right? Uh, and there's a fairly strong short interest in this too, uh, which mm. might create some downward pressure for me. But if you thought the reason for Kellogg's was just something as straightforward as everybody likes Cocoa Pops, uh, you read me wrong on that story. Uh, I care not even slightly about the brands. It's not my intention that anyone should pay for the brands. I don't want to pay for the brands. What I will pay for, though, is a lower cost of production in a commodity area. It's infinitely yeah. tastier than the alternatives, though. I know that's got to be one of the things. It's, it's like when I mean, Steve you know, is talking went... my book for me here, but yeah, yeah okay. But when, when you when you went to your friend's house and the mum made chicken nuggets, and you was like, "Have you got any? Have you got any tomato ketchup?" And she came out and she put Daddy's tomato daddies. ketchup on. Her. I knew you were going to say you daddies. Was like, I knew you were going to say like, Daddy's. You, but you was like, you was like, well, this is just going to ruin these chicken nuggets, isn't it? Did I? <laughs> That's the same way I feel about Kellogg's. They're cereals. The cereals from the supermarket are fine, but that's all they are. Kellogg's is an infinitely superior manufacturer. I completely agree with you. If anyone puts daddy's tomato sauce on their cornflakes, yeah, they will fucking ruin them. Yeah, well, well, for me, it was beans. So Heinz beans were always better than uh, the other. That was as, as a kid, though. And I will say the same with cereals as well. I could definitely, yeah, if my mum came home with, like, uh, off-brand uh, Cocoa Pops or something, I could, I, I could tell straight yeah, it's, away. It's the famous uh, meme, isn't it, of, like, oh, mum, can we have a yeah. Domino's? And she's like, no, no, I've got a pizza at home. And you get home, and it's like that stuff where you remove the cardboard from the bottom and you look at it and you think, that might be tastier than the pizza. <laughs> 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 yeah so uh, like i think branding is strong uh in Kellogg. i i wouldn't ignore the brand but i i get you okay. and the thing is is we, we we've spoken about this we've spoken about this with mining stocks um and if you're thinking of it as of it as a commodity yeah you do have to break it down to supply and um and how you dig it out of the ground basically but i will say like like steve d said is that um, their, their products are better. They taste better. They just have that je ne sais quoi, as it were. <laughs> although uh, I'd say... <laughs> although would I'd would say, you say um, that... Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, carry on. Like, that was a stupid joke. <laughs> would you? I, no, so's this as well. So carry on, you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me prepare. Let me prepare the, the media. Oh, here we go. Oh, man, I... Oh. Hit me I'm with already this in the, I'm already in the doghouse for having Kellogg's, I think. No one on Trading 212 has Kellogg's in their portfolio. <laughs> I mean, would you go so far as to say that they were great? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's late at night, isn't it? All right. Well, we've come up to an hour, and that's the perfect place to end yeah. probably our podcasting careers. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we're going to end the podcast there, definitely. <laughs> But we have taken you through quite a few varied stocks there, and 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 thank you for Mr. Porkster for for asking asking that question. Sorry, is, is it Porkster no, or Mr. is P. it Mr. P? Sorry, what? Mr. P. What? Sorry, Mr. P. Porkster Porkster is a totally different guy, but we love him because he he, he comments a lot as well. Uh, we we know all of you, by the way. We know we know everyone who even even on my channel. I know everybody on my channel who's commented. Uh, the the people that have been there for a long time. So we appreciate it all the time. 
time, every time, everyone, someone asks a question. Thank you very much for asking that question. And uh, anyone who says anything nice, we, we, and we always reply. That's the other thing is uh, at, at all times we, we will endeavor to reply because we like the conversations. And obviously, if you want to come to our Discord, uh, there will be a link in the description below this podcast on uh, hopefully on spotify and all that we're, we'll get that added if it's not already added on there in there we're in there we're every day we're talking to other people and largely now the conversations in the discord are just incredible it's like people are having it's gone away from the time of uh, uh the tanker stock the first ever mean stock we were talking about the other day nordic american tankers which was pumped and dumped by jeremy financial education i believe everyone was talking about that that first day now we're finding stocks like in different countries and people are running DCF calculations on it. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible what we see in there now. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to get involved in the Discord, like, feel free to come in. It's completely free. Uh, we're not going to be charging anyone for that at all. Uh, and also, obviously, if you can on Spotify, Apple or anything like that, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to leave us a five star like or whatever happens on there on there and we're going to have a look through the apple podcast reviews as well to see if there's any cool ones we can read out and also on youtube feel free to give us a like and subscribe and obviously uh leave us some nice comments as well and um obviously give us all the hate as well if you want to say we're wrong about amc and gme like feel free we'll, we'll have a we'll have a reasonable conversation if it, if it if we love the debates um we don't take it to heart trust me well some of us don't um thank you very much for watching everybody and uh as always uh we'll see you next week i'm amazed how many people own stocks i'm amazed how many people own stocks The sucker's going up.